We are in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. So if you'd like to open up your Bibles and get there, it's a little bit of a longer passage. You might want to follow along. So chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, let's, uh, let's talk today about a word that you guys use every week. Sanctification. I'm sure that just rolls off your tongue all the time, right? Just like natural. Well, that is something that we're going to look at today, and it is something that's vitally important to each one of us, even though a word that uh, we hardly ever use. It's obviously a very biblical word, and, uh, but not really used much anymore. But what is sanctification? Well, let's figure it out. Let's dive into it. See how we're already in the process of sanctification and how we can work with the Holy Spirit to be all He's called us to be. Can we just take a moment and pray? Father, thank you for your, your word today. And Lord, your word is, is it. Your word is the foundation of our faith. Your word is the foundation of our lives. And so we submit ourselves, Lord, to you. And you are inseparable from your word. And so, Father, we just ask that your Spirit, guide and lead us into an understanding of your word and then to the practice of your word. And therefore, honor you and glorify you in Christ's name. Amen? Amen. The Bible uses the term uh, sanctify, sanctified, sanctifying, sanctification about 40 times from the Old Testament through the New Testament. It does. Uh, used in that context. It's always, uh, sometimes it is used with other words like holy or render, things like that. But the basis of the word is sanctification. 
In the Old Testament, it is usually used about things and animals. Uh, animals that were brought to the Lord for sacrifice, they were to be sanctified to the Lord. That was the process and that was the reason for that. They were given to the Lord. The person who had the animal and was wanting this to be a sign of their faith, that trusting God to bring forgiveness of their sin, they would bring the animal and they would sanctify it to the Lord. When it talked about things, it would be more like... Um, uh, utensils that would be used in the temple for worship uh, in the synagogue. It might be plates, it might be uh, bowls or uh, cups, many different things. But they were objects that were sanctified to the Lord. In other words, they, they, didn't, um, they didn't go to the, to the cupboard and, and get out their Tupperware and go, okay, we're, we're going to use this to, to serve the Lord and worship Him, and then we're going to put it back and we'll use it all through the week, and then we come back. They, the Lord wanted to show them that there is this difference between what is just simply common and what is sanctified or holy to the Lord. These are common. We, we use it every day. We do it every day. Common. But then there's a difference in what is sanctified or given over to the Lord. Every one of us have lived common lives before we knew Christ. We were living common lives, lives that were just like the world, just like the people around us, just the way we were raised. We were living according to our own path and our own desires, common. And yet when we came to know Christ and He pulled us out of that lifestyle, He sanctified us in that moment and declared us to be sanctified or holy, rendered set apart for Him. And that was our start and introduction, if you will, to that term sanctification or sanctified, even though we maybe didn't even hear it. No longer common, but now we're unto the Lord. We belong to Him. So a, a working uh, definition of the word sanctification can be a twofold thing, a separation from sin and a separation to God. There are things that are sanctified, referencing specifically set apart from sin, called out, brought away from sin. And then there are other things that are used in the context of given unto the Lord. This is sanctified to the Lord. An object can't sin. It can be sanctified to the Lord. You and I have sinned, and so we're sanctified out of sin, but we're also sanctified to the Lord. We're brought out, and we're being in the, brought to. We are being made into the image of Christ, sanctified. We can use descriptive terms like forward movement. Movement away and movement toward. Positive progress, meaning godly progress. Biblical alignment, in step with the Holy Spirit. All of those things are, are the framework, the surrounding attributes of sanctification. But you're here in Galatians chapter, uh, I'll get it. Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, it's Galatians and Colossians mixed together, it's a new word. Colossians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, please stay open there because we're going to look at those verses um, in sections. But it starts off in verse number 1 by making an affirmative statement. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is writing this book to a church, to a group of believers, 
And he comes to this section that we call chapter 3. And he says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. There is a, a powerful understanding and statement right there. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, we too have been raised out of our sinfulness so that we can be in Christ and Christ in us. We have been raised with Christ out of, of a life of despair, out of a life of sin, out of a life of a word debauchery or sexual immorality or disrespect or foul language, all of those things. We have been brought out of that because Christ is now in us and we are in Christ. We have been raised with him. We have, he has taken us out of our sin and our sin out of us. Aren't you glad that we have a God who loves us so much that not only does he want us to come out of sin, but he's made it possible for us to do so. That's powerful and that's love. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In your hearts, that word revere, in some translations, uses the word sanctify. But in your heart, sanctify Christ as Lord. In other words, in your heart, don't allow you to have an understanding of Christ being common. But he's special. He's not just kind of part of my life. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian and I'm also a lot of other things. He says, no, don't, don't allow Christ to just kind of be a part of you. He says, revere him as Lord. He's everything. That's why we sing this song. He's, he's, he's my everything. And that is revering Christ or sanctifying Christ in our heart. And we do that through the process of being sanctified. We are becoming less like what we used to do and who we used to be, and we are becoming more like Christ because he is sanctifying us. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Man, that's powerful. He says, it's, you're, you're like the first fruits. You're like those who are the first, and it is a work of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. It is not simply a matter of us saying, oh, oh wow, great. I came on the right Sunday. He's going to talk about how we got to get better, and we got to work harder, and we got to become better people. No. This is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we cannot sanctify ourselves. We must have the attitude of sanctification, of saying, I'm going to become more like Christ. But we can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. My question to you in this moment right now is, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Or are you just trying to do it yourself? Are you just saying, man, I just need to buy another self-help magazine, another book. I need to watch Oprah a little bit more. I need to, I need to get better. 
Or are you saying, Holy Spirit, I need your power working in my life so that I can go on this journey that you have me on. You've got me on this journey of becoming more like Christ. I can't do it without you, Holy Spirit. Please work in my life. Lisa and I had the the great privilege of being with our son and his wife, Tyler and Kate, and, of course, the most beautiful boy in the whole wide world, our grandson. Jonathan's about 15 months old, and so he's at the ripe age where I'm teaching him the word adventure. And everything we did for the last few days, I'd say, Jonathan, you ready to go on an adventure? Let's go into the backyard. We're going to conquer something, just the backyard. But he's conquering things, you know what I'm saying? And so the Lord's blessed us to have a a part of a creek that is down uh, in our property. And so we said, Jonathan, let's go down to the creek. It's going to be an adventure. And so we're all holding hands, and and we're going down through all the sticks and debris that have been blown down through the storms that we've recently had, and we've just about made it all the way to the creek. We're just almost there, and we found the enemy, a nest of yellow jackets. Yeah. It's that time of year. But Tyler was stung. No one else. Hallelujah. Jonathan wasn't stung. So we retreated. We went back up to the house. That was the end of that journey. It was the end. Done. We went back up to the house. The adventure is now over. Tyler and I had a little fun that night after it got dark with a little gasoline and a match. Problem solved. The next day, let's go on an adventure. We made it all the way to the creek and uh, took the shoes off. We got in the creek. We went up the creek. We went down in the middle of the water. We just went up and down, and Jonathan was having a blast. At one point in time, Tyler just sat down right in the water, and he put Jonathan right beside him, and they just started playing in the mud. And he was teaching Jonathan, this is what mud is. And Jonathan was like, okay. It was an adventure. Well, you and I are not 15 months old. We're young people. We're children. We're adults. And God says, are you ready to go on an adventure with me? Are you ready to go explore? Are you ready to go conquer? That is the process of sanctification. So that we're no longer grappling with the life that we used to have and we used to be involved in and who we used to be. The Bible tells us there in verse number 9 that we are new creatures in Christ. We have died to self. We're alive to God. Because we've put off that old self and we've put on the new self. And now we're on an adventure with God. How many of you are ready to go on an adventure with God? Yes. And it's an adventure. You don't know what's around the turn. You don't know what's next. But you know that you're with the one who knows. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. It's an adventure with God. There are three things about sanctification I want to bring out today. Sanctification is the gospel in sanctification is the gospel in what is the gospel it's what i just talked about the fact that god is perfect and he made this world in this universe and he made man and he made us perfect adam and eve were just absolutely perfect and yet adam and eve sinned just like you have and just like i have they sinned and it is proof positive and easy to understand we cannot save ourselves. We can get better. You don't even need Jesus to get better. The problem is your better is never going to be good enough. Our collective better 
could never be good enough to satisfy a perfect God who says, if you sin, you'll die. So we can't save ourselves. So the gospel says that God provided a Savior, one Savior, Jesus Christ. And how did he save us? He saved us by being born of a virgin and living a sinless life and teaching what is true and performing miracles, proving his divinity. But then most of all, he died on the cross for my sin and your sin. And the Bible says the sin of the entire world. Every sin that's ever been committed will be committed today or ever will be committed has been paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you. You say, but you don't know who I am. doesn't matter. God does. He died on the cross for you and for me because I needed it and you need it. And he was killed on that cross. He didn't faint. He didn't kind of have a bad day. He died on that cross, and they buried him in a tomb. But three days later, the Spirit of God breathed life into him, his body again, and he rose from the dead. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not about just simply believing in God. Did you know the devil believes in God? Like seriously believes in God. It's not enough just to believe in God. It's not even enough just to say, yeah, Jesus was yeah, a good guy. It's not enough even to believe that God is good. But what the gospel is, is that we believe that God provided a way of salvation through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And that that is the only means by which we can receive salvation and eternal life. And when we put our faith in God, through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and that it is through that that we will have eternal life, and we come to God and say, Lord, I believe in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and I want to follow Jesus. That's the moment we are born again, and that is the moment we are sanctified because we're no longer in our sin, and our sin is no longer in us, but we are sanctified. We are set apart from our sin, and now we're on a journey to get closer and closer to Christ more and more like him. Now, let me just dive into this for a moment. There are some times when people believe, they mean well, but they believe, okay, I'm a Christian now, and I've, I'm not, I've, I've just got all this sin behind me, and I, I'm going to follow Jesus, but they try to do it this way, they try and go, okay, I, I, gotta, I can't do that anymore, and I can't, and I can't, I got to stop doing that, and they're trying to go to God, but they keep looking back at the things they used to do. Oh, I, I need to stay away from that, I need to... Well, yes, you do. Yes. But if you keep looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to collide with something. The front end of your life is going to have some damage. What are we supposed to do? Yes, we distance ourselves. Yes, we're like going, moving. But we say we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We don't look at what we're trying to stop doing. We look at the one we're trying to be like. And that's our aim. And if we'll just stay on the adventure with God, these things will take care of themselves and we will distance, distance, distance away from them. We don't have to worry about them. We don't have to worry about the devil. We don't have to worry about his tricks and his schemes. We're not ignorant, we're mindful. We put up our guards, but we don't have to worry. Our concern is what? I want to go on an adventure with God to become more like Jesus Christ. 
That is the process of sanctification. So in a sense, we are sanctified. We are set apart from our sin, and we are set apart to God. And yet the process of sanctification is a lifelong process. We are sanctified, but I don't know. Nobody raised their hand, but do you all ever sin? Yeah, that's what I thought. We all do. Okay? So but what do we do with that? Does it mean we're not saved? I, I, sin, I sinned three times today or whatever. Does that, mean, does that mean I'm not saved? No, it means you're just in that process of sanctification. Everybody's in, all Christians are in that process of sanctification. This is not the time to look at your spouse and say, you need more sanctification. Thought I'd give you a little advice there. John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. Sanctification is the gospel in, but secondly, sanctification is the gospel through. If you look there in verses 5 through 9, Colossians 3, 5 through 9, here the Holy Spirit inspires the Apostle Paul to write, and he, and he says, hey, these things, this anger and malice and sexual immorality and, and all of these things that you used to do, he said, that's the point. You used to do them. It was a part of your old life. He said, don't let that stuff drag with you. Don't let that stuff, don't, don't pull it behind you. Don't, don't keep it with you. He said, that's what you used to do. Be done with it. But how are you done with it? By allowing the gospel to work through your life. Into every crevice and every cranny of your life, everything that's about your life, we say, God, I give you access and permission. Now, again, don't raise your hand, but I'm asking you this question. How many of you would say, you know, there's some things that I, I, I want the Lord's help on. I mean, I, that, I need the Lord's help here, and I want his help. Oh, Lord, would you please? And it's easy to ask for help. Lord, please help me with this. I'm having, I'm having a problem. I'm not, what I, I'm not acting the way I want to in this area. Please help me. I think we would all say, well, yeah. It's... But is it possible that also there's a couple of things over here, and we're like, I'll take care of this, Lord. I'll take care of this. I don't really, I don't even really want you to know I have this problem. So I'm, I'm just going to hold on to this one. Maybe you think I can do it by myself. I can handle this. Or... It could be you're saying, you know what? I'm going to keep this one. I'm going to keep this sin. I'm going to hold on to this one. Well, what does God do with that? What does God do with that? You know what? He keeps working in the areas that we surrender to him. And when we learn how to trust him more, then these things we've been hiding, all of a sudden we go, man, I've trusted God with all these other areas. He's been cleaning me up and straightening me out, and he's been leading me and guiding me. Maybe I can trust him with this thing I've been hiding from him. And all of a sudden we begin to say, okay, God, I want, I want your help in this too. I want your help in this also. And that's the Holy Spirit, the gospel, working all through our life, how we think, how we act, what we do. All of a sudden, we realize, I don't need to speak that way anymore. 
I don't need to look at that magazine. I don't need to tell that dirty joke. I don't need to listen to that dirty joke. I don't need to do that. With so many things, it's like, no, I don't need that anymore. I have a new master of my life, and that is Jesus Christ. And I'm moving forward, and I'm giving him everything that I have. It is that work of the Holy Spirit, the gospel of Jesus Christ working through us. Well, back when I was in elementary school, um, the Apollo program was in, in full swing. The rockets were going up and landing on the moon, and Neil Armstrong and all those guys buzz. And it was just phenomenal to, that when I was in elementary school, they'd take us out there into the playground, and we'd, and we'd watch the rocket. We had no really idea what that was, but the teachers thought it was amazing, so we thought, okay. It got us out of class. Had to be good. Then we watched it fly up in the sky. Then we went back inside. Well, during that time period, there was a reporter that was just very intrigued with the Apollo astronauts, and he wanted to know, like, what did they talk about? You know, you're like in this really tight space for days and days, and he wanted to know, what, what, what do y'all deal with? How do you, I mean, how do you do this? How do you get this rocket up there and then back, and what do you, how do you do that? What do you talk about? What's the conversation? And it was amazing that astronaut after astronaut after astronaut told him the same thing. The thing that we talked about the most was course correction. <laughs> and the reporter, just like you, didn't even believe that. I can tell on your face. You're going like, you Googled that, and that was wrong. Course correction. So the reporter actually did some investigation. I mean, he went deep into that, and he found out that's true. Most of the conversations that are had between those astronauts in the Apollo program were about course correction. Now, if you think about it, if, if the trajectory, the planned trajectory of a rocket, whatever, is let's just draw a straight line up, those rockets wouldn't just follow exactly that path. They, because just like your steering wheel, you don't, you don't just hold it still, you just you kind of do this, right? Same thing with the rockets. And they found that the rockets in the Apollo program were out of course. They were off course 85% of the time. 85%. Because the, the path is this, but they found themselves kind of crossing the path. And then what they would do, they would, they would, they would activate a small booster on this side, and it would kind of, kind of bump back into course, and they would cross the line again, and then it would activate a booster on this side, and they just kind of made it like this. You might be wondering, well, I mean, you know, I, I thought I'd be kind of like, you know, perfect by now, but I'm not. I keep having to, well, that's good. You're in good company. It's called course correction. That's called sanctification. Just keep allowing God to do a little booster over here and a little booster. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Amen? It's just course correction. I'm not sure that's the perfect illustration, but you get the point, right? It's just course correction. And I'm telling you, it's course correction until the heart stops pumping and the lungs stop breathing. It's just course correction the entire time. The last thing is this. Sanctification is the gospel out. Verses 12 through 16, what does that deal with? It deals with how we treat other people. You see, we can't say, well, I'm, I'm sanctified in my prayer life, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm sanctified in my mind and in my heart, and I, and I don't tell those dirty jokes anymore, and I don't look at that stuff anymore, and I don't do this, and I don't do that. Man, I'm so awesome, but I treat people like yuck. 
I treat people badly. Well, then you can't say you're sanctified, right? <laughs> it's still a process. You're still in process, okay? Because how we treat other people, he says you, you treat other people with kindness and compassion and, and you treat them with love and you treat them with patience. And maybe that server at that restaurant, yeah, they're supposed to be nice and they're supposed to be friendly and they're supposed to be on the ball, and they're supposed to think that you are the king and queen. Yeah, they're supposed to. And maybe they're human, and they're having a bad day too. But we can treat them with kindness, right? Oh, man, I got three amens on that. All right. Okay. All right. I mean, yeah. Hey, I, I'm preaching myself. I, Lisa has helped me so much. I would... I, never mind. That's a whole nother... That's a whole nother... <clears throat> Yeah, we treat, just treat people with kindness and be nice and, and build them up because maybe you are the turning point in their night. Maybe you, under the power of the Holy Spirit, will say something to them or love them in a way that they go, wow, okay, all right. Maybe I can have a good night tonight. Maybe, okay, all people aren't jerks. Okay, all right, great. And they move forward. Maybe you are the change in their life. Sanctification is a work outward. How are we treating people? How do you treat your family? How do you treat your church? How do you treat your community? It's working its way outward. The gospel of Jesus Christ in, the gospel of Jesus through, and the gospel of Jesus out to everyone around us. That is sanctification. Verse 17 really brings it all about, what the, the, the last thing that we read. Let's read it. And whatever you do. You see, there are times when we do need to say, God, I need help with this. I'm, I'm struggling. I need help with that. Yes, absolutely, do that. But if we have the attitude, instead of saying, okay, help me with this, I'm holding on to this, instead if we go, whatever I do, in word or in deed, whatever I do, Lord, Whatever it is, wherever I go, whatever, it, whatever I'm at work, I'm at school, I'm at play, I'm at leisure, I'm with a group of people, I'm with one person, whatever it is, whatever I'm doing, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Christ. Man, if we'll have that attitude to say, you know what, yeah, I got a long way to go, but I'm just going to do everything I do as unto the Lord Whatever I do, in word or deed, whatever it is, I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. Well, if you travel Interstate 85, you understand um, slow down and traffic and detours and, you know, construction. Well, several years ago, uh, Billy Graham was talking to a group of people, and his wife had passed away. And he's talking to a group of people, and he said, that he said some of you have visited my wife's uh, grave and where she's buried and read her, her tombstone, her, her uh, memorial stone. And he said, you might be wondering what that's all about, why that inscription is on my wife's headstone. And he said, let me explain. He said, before she was bedridden and, and she was in much better health, she was driving and she was in a section of road where there was a lot of construction and there were all those orange, you know, um, barrels and cones and, and there were detours and there were signs and signs slow down and bump and traffic, you know, lane shift, all that stuff. So she's focusing. I mean, she's really paying attention and it's nerve wracking, you know, 
And she's doing all this and going through this construction. And it was miles and miles and miles. And finally, she came to the end of the construction. And there was a sign there. It's a big sign that said this. It said, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. And they got a big laugh out of it. And she came home and she, she was just smiling and laughing. And she said, let me tell you what happened today. She went through the whole thing. And she said, she said, that's what you're going to put on my stone when I die. And they all laughed. And she said, I know, you're laughing. That's what you're going to put on my stone. And she actually later wrote it down so they would get it just right. That's on her stone. Uh, and Billy Graham was just saying, yeah. We are under construction until we need a headstone. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's going on, we are under construction. That is sanctification. We're not going to look backwards about where we've been. We're going to look forward to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And when we trip and stumble, we're going to go, I'm still under construction. When we say something wrong, I'm still under construction. We have a bad attitude. Now, none of you have bad attitudes. I'm just talking about myself. I have a bad attitude. I'm still under construction. Thank you for your patience. Man, if we could just have that attitude toward one another, right? Don't make it weird. Do not make this weird. But sometime before you leave this place, just look at somebody and go, they're under construction. And I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. Okay? That is sanctification. We are sanctified and we are being sanctified until we're done. And then we'll not need to be sanctified anymore. Hallelujah. Those who are in Christ have eternal life. Those who are not in Christ do not have the hope of eternal life. But there is this longing and desire in everyone's heart for eternal life. The book of Ecclesiastes says that God has put into the heart of man eternity. There's this longing and this desire. So you're here today and you, you've, you've heard this. You're, you're talking about becoming born again or believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's resonating with you. You know in your heart, right down deep in your soul. It's resonating with you. And you need Christ as your Savior. Maybe you, you know about Him, you've heard about Him, maybe you have relatives that are Christians, but Christ here is one thing, Christ here is totally different. If you just have Christ here, again, don't, don't be offended by this, but the, the devil believes, literally, he believes in Jesus. is Christ in your life. That's where he wants to be. And you can have Christ in your life today by simply just coming to him and praying a prayer that sounds something like, God, I, I need you. I want you. Please forgive me of my sin. I, I've lived an unholy life, and I want to live a holy life or an unsanctified, and I want to be sanctified. Lord, please forgive me of my sin. Come in. Holy Spirit, come into my life. And begin the process of working through me. I want to go on an adventure with you, Lord. Man, God answers that prayer, man, so powerfully. So this is your time right now to pray that prayer and to say, God, here I am. Here I am. 
I want to go on an adventure with you. Let's pray together, okay? Let's pray.